0: We'll let everybody know that we're going to start every day, whatever well, day we do this, whatever it ends up being. We haven't decided on all that yet. I'm going to give a little tidbit of a little Tiger Woods history each day with something I think is a pretty incredible stat, uh, just because I'm a Tiger fanatic, of course. So my stat for the day is between 2000 and 2009, Tiger won 54 times. And won 12 majors. That means he roughly played 150 tournaments, which means he won about 40% of the tournaments he played in. And I think missed four cups out of 150 events. That's the impressive part. So I'm going to say that's – and 54 of his 80 – was 82 wins have come in a mm-hmm. – literally a nine, ten-year span there, which is – that's crazy. Yeah. Even thinking about winning 36, 30% of the time, whatever it is. It's nuts. So there's my awesome tiger stat of the day. Um,
1: it's crazy because then do you think then you do the the next ten years. Those ain't pretty. Sense. Right. But you got to
0: think. From, <laughs> then on, you know, from then on, he's still one thirty, whatever that is. I, I ain't gonna do the math up thirty sometimes to get to eighty two or twenty eight, whatever it is. Yeah, twenty eight. But you're talking about from 2009, that's, you know, that 10-year, he played what, maybe five, six full years, five full years, maybe, and still won 28, 30 times. Impressive. Very crazy.
1: I mean, there's, there's
0: guys, and that was during his
1: decline. There's right. guys the decline career part as a career. There's,
0: there's Hall of Famers that have 12 wins and two majors. Yeah. He had 12 wins in three years, like two years. I mean, it really is crazy to, it's, listen, man, when you, when you start thinking about it, you know, of course, like I say, I'm a Tiger fanatic. Everybody knows this, but when you start really thinking about the history of all the things that he's done, it's just like when you think about MJ, man, it's, it's impressive. I mean, you can't, you can't even think about all the things they've both done or, you know, anybody, you know, Michael Phelps, all those guys. It's just yeah. crazy to think about all the stuff they've done, and then when you look back on, you know how dominant they were. It's, it's unbelievable.
1: It is. I'm. I mean, for a lot of people, Tiger, Tiger's the reason why you pick up a club. Oh, I mean, so I mean, I was see, I don't, I was pretty young, but I don't think he was the the reason why I picked up a club. But for me, it was more entertaining. It's like. Kind of like I, I do baseball. It's more entertaining to play the game than to watch it. Right. More entertaining playing than watching it. But when Tiger played, you watched.
2: It was worth
0: everybody. It. That's the thing, man. When Tiger played, it's just like when MJ played, it's like when any of the superstars today play are on TV. No matter if you hate them or like them, you still watch them. You know, because they're the biggest draw.
1: Yeah. I'd say, and I would say that I don't think I missed. Too many uh, tigers majors his wins. I still I remember, uh, you know, two thousand five. I uh, I've, I mean, I remember I remember most I remember the Tiger Slam. I remember every one of those, uh, watching them. So he, uh they was something else. Uh, but the thing is, what I will say the the thing that I enjoyed the most, and it's kind of like it's not really it's a credit to him, I guess, uh, was when he got hurt and he couldn't play uh, because he found different golfers to kind of like. No doubt. And it made it – I mean, like for me it was, you know, I really enjoyed Anthony Kim. mm mm-hmm. Anthony Kim started to get good when Tiger started to start to have his health issues and, you know, getting hit with a golf club
0: at family functions. We <laughs> 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 were actually pretty close. Yeah. a lot of clinics together.
1: Yeah. So, like, I really enjoyed Anthony Kim. It sucks that it didn't work out for him. But then, you you know, uh, Justin Thomas um, and those guys, you know, Jordan Speed, Bruce Kepka. like, those guys are entertaining to watch. And, but I don't think anybody would really appreciate how good they are or really like, you know, take a real liking to them if it wasn't for Tiger being hurt. You were forced to find somebody else.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. That's what I enjoyed about it. Because That's a great point. I agree. You know, it yeah. made you, it made you appreciate Rory and, uh, you know, Spieth's great run and, you know, what kep has done the last, you know, three or four years. And it's been a, I mean, it's been good for golf.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, knowing that he was still kind of there, but he wasn't playing. But now having him back, I think it's kind of, you know, really energized all the younger guys. Well, I guess you know they're not really that young anymore. You know, they're yeah. late twenties, thirties. You know, in golf, but. I mean, you can tell they have a little more drive about, you know, they want to beat Tiger. I mean, you know, they're getting a chance to play with who they grew up, you know, idolizing just like Tiger idolized Jack. I mean, you know, you get a chance to, you know, kind of pass that torch kind of like Jack did to the Tiger. Now Tiger kind of, you know, there's like a handful of guys Tiger kind of gets to hand it, off, hand it off to now. So I think that's pretty cool. You know, that's a cool thing about sports, man. There's always going to be, you know, there may never be another Michael Jordan, but there's always going to be, You know your Kobe's and your Lebrons, and there's always going to be somebody else that keeps on, you know, keeping it going. So that's what's so cool about sports, though, man.
1: Yeah, and I watched, uh, I rewatched the 2019 Masters, and like it was really cool. I I I didn't really pay attention. He won, celebrated, hugged his kids. That was cool. Then I watched uh, the whole thing uh, last night, and the really cool thing was the generation of golfers that were waiting to, to congratulate him. Like, you had you had the young yeah. who who played uh, – that played kind of because of him, Justin Thomas, uh, Thomas Brooks Cap. I mean, they're giving him hugs. And then you've got, like, right. Walter, who's been with him for years. Right. Kind of showing that, hey, man, I'm glad you – you know, you're probably back kind of deal. Like, oh, yeah, no doubt. It was one of those. It's really cool watching that happen. Uh, yeah, it is. I think he – I would say – I would have expected, you know, if the things went different this year, he probably would have got another one. I don't know if he would have been the Masters, but I think he would have got another major
0: this year. I, you know, I kind of – I want to agree because I was always that person that when everybody told me Tiger would never would come back, you yeah. know, I always told him, yeah, he'll be back, you know. But it, there was always that thought in the back of my head, like, he'll never win another, another major. I mean, let's be honest, you know. Yeah. For him to actually, you know, make that happen, you know, I think it's his greatest accomplishment. If he never won another major, I mean, to me, that's worth about five or six majors. Yes. I mean, he's 42, 43, you know, a few years back, all the stuff that's happened. I mean, it's just nobody ever comes back and wins at that high of a level after all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it hardly ever happens. I don't know if it's ever happened in sports. I'm not sure, you know, maybe and they always talk about, you know, I think maybe it was Hogan or something that had the wreck and then come back and won the U.S. Open mm-hmm. in the 50s or whatever it was, but, I mean, you know, nowadays that just tells you now though that how great you know the medical stuff is that stuff like that can happen and you can still go back and you know compete the highest level sports, which is you know pretty cool too. So. Yeah, and I was just saying for a while
1: you were just hoping like he could make a cut, no doubt. You know, because you didn't want the last thing you remember about him just the wheels completely falling off, couldn't make a cut, him being arrested, couldn't chip. <laughs> you want know thats not what you wanted to remember, Tiger Woods. As. No doubt, no. Uh, it's it's pretty cool uh, that he's he's kind of made it back uh, and kind of going going off uh, Tiger Woods being back. And you know, I think the really cool thing is this month, well, almost this month, you know, in May, the match. Oh yeah, because uh, I, I I watched the the last one, the pay per view,
0: the one on one he had. Oh, me too. I, watched I had to watch Party for it, just so you know. I had people come over to watch the match because I was so excited for it. So,
1: I, I don't remember who I watched it with. I may have I, – I, honestly, I could have just bought it and watched it by myself. I don't remember. But I remember okay. – and um, so just for that to happen, uh, it's pretty cool because I, I can just see how entertaining it's going to be. If it was just him and Phil playing. No doubt. You no. Know, I mean, you so yeah. good
2: between them, man. It's yeah.
1: And then you add Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Here's here's what I want. And and I'm sure it'll happen. Everyone of them's mic'd up. And I want to hear them just talk crazy to each other, each other every shot. And I want to hear Tiger feel fifty thousand close to a pin on this.
0: Uh, I think it's gonna be a step up, you know. I I think it's gonna be a step up from the the first match. I think the you know, the first time they had it they were kind of it was one of those things where they were trying to feel the whole process and see, you know, kind of how this was going to go. And, of course, end up being a great finish, mm-hmm. extra holes, and, you know, feeling the end up winning. And, you know, there was still a lot of crap talking going on towards the end. But I really feel like, you know, adding Peyton and Tom in there, I think there's going to be a more dynamic of the crap talking and the side betting will be really, you know, elevated. Probably. I really do believe that.
1: And let, and let one of them, you know, sink one – OB off the tee oh yeah
0: oh. <laughs> it's gonna be classic man I'm telling you it will. And and I think, didn't they say it was going to be in Florida Did they, they they picked Florida but they hadn't picked a course right yeah so they, picked Florida,
1: Florida, they picked Florida hadn't picked a course uh I don't even think they, they picked an official day for it they have not that I've seen yeah I haven't seen it either i just seen that they were going to do it in May uh and originally it was going to be a pay-per-view style again but they they decided to do it for free which I thought was really cool because
0: TNT's covering it right
1: TNT uh, but we don't. I mean, I, I'll take anything at this point. You know, I mean, there's nothing on TV, and I'm sure plenty of people who get, you know, aren't really like big golf fans, and uh, they're not giving up a Saturday or Sunday to sit around and watch people. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna tune in because you've got the two of the most, like I guess, influential golf people of the last yeah. 20, 30 years. Right. You know, they're playing against each other, and then you've got two of the greatest quarterbacks are jumping Ever. with them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of people will watch just because –
0: That's going to be a huge draw, just having those two guys playing with them, I think. I think that was a great okay. marketing standpoint for, you know, for the PGA Tour and for the match, you know. Um, I think that's going to be uh, a huge draw for the for that uh, event.
1: I think the only way it could have been better is if we could have – if we could have done it about 25 years ago and had, like, prime John Daly.
0: Yes. That would have been classic. <laughs> there would have been nothing better than John Daly smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, and betting about $100,000 per shot against anybody. I don't care who you just I would watch that.
1: I would – here's the thing. I I would still watch it right now. If, you could, if they would – No doubt. We're going to add a second foursome to the group. I agree. John Daly, you pick whoever you want to play with, but you get, you're going to get part of this show.
0: <laughs> uh, I 100% agree with that.
1: Yeah, they were like John. There's no rules. We're gonna give you a cart. You, know, you got leg problems, knee problems, whatever. You can look and you can drink, and it doesn't have to be your diet coke. You're addicted to. You,
0: can, you can. Oh, he's he's drinking hard for sure. There's no doubt
1: about yeah. that. I think that would. I think him alone. You could have just sold me on a foursome with him, and I think I would watch, even you know if that. Bill wasn't involved. I think I. Hundred <laughs> percent would. I posted uh, on the Twitter that uh, you know I was asking people who their who their like dream foursome would be if you included yourself and right. they were good answers because I was like let's see how many people actually like I'll just take golfers or I'll or I'll just take whoever right and one of my buddies he put on that he wanted like John Daly and Happy
0: Gilmore well there was a lot of John Daly and Bill Murray's yes that's what I saw <laughs> which I think that's the route I would go I. If I'm going golfing,
1: number one, I want to go have a good time. I'm not gonna have a good time if I play with Tiger and feel because I'm gonna embarrass the crap out of myself all the time. That's one where I'm like, right. I'll watch for and I'll caddy for all of them. Right. <laughs> I get it. So, if, so if you had to pick your dream foursome, so you get three
0: others? Who would it be? Okay, this is this is easy for me. 100, percent I'm taking Tiger. Yeah, figure. I'm definitely going to take Jack for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, because I'm not going to pick another golfer, I'm going to pick my grandpa. Okay. I would definitely take my grandpa, Papa Joe. Of course, he's not here with us anymore, but he was the guy that got me playing golf. Okay. And he hated Tiger. So I really wanted that dynamic in my foursome for sure. (laughs) So I thought that would make for great, you know, a little great uh, – a great group to have there. Why did he ha- – this is a big any He taught you how to play golf. I think
1: you got kind of to follow in his, like, footsteps of who he liked and all that. He hates Tiger. You love Tiger. How did that happen?
0: Well, I think it was the – more of him being the old school where he was like – he didn't like how Tiger dominated. Mm. So I think he kind of took over Jack's – it's kind of like the whole LeBron MJ. Kind of thing now, you know how everybody compares LeBron to MJ or you know Kobe, to whatever it was. It's the whole dynamic of you don't want to see the person you thought was the goat or the greatest to play yeah, overtaken, get overtaken by somebody else. Understandable. You know? So I think that was kind of how it, kind of how it was. I don't want to say he hated Tiger. It was just more of he didn't He's, win the win. He
1: didn't <laughs> want to see his his idol
0: right. Understandable.
1: I'm I think that's how the dynamic was. See, yeah, let's see. I, I think honestly, I think I would go uh, John Daly. Um, but I wouldn't want it to be now na- like John Daly. Now it has to be prime, the '90s John Daly. That's what I need. I need
0: with the with the gold chain, the huge polo, the yes. cigar. Yes, like it, it, blonde swooped over hair.
1: Yes, and I and I. I want like pre weight game. I want the version of him. Cause that's when Trump started to like really rock his life. That's the job. That <laughs> All right. So then I would take him. Uh I I wanna say I would take Heavy Gilmore. Uh Roger. just because of the entertainment factor. Uh then that third one's a tough one. Um It might be Bill Murray. Yeah, I think I would. I I really think I would.
0: I can I can tell you this: you are going to have a lot of fun if somebody's going to die. That's what I'm going to say in that group. I would. I'd
1: agree. If more than likely, it would probably probably be me or John. I think John might. I, would, I was gonna go with John. Yeah, I think, but his won't be golf related. I think his will be alcohol related, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, so it would Total be totally health related. So, but yeah, that – I posted that last night, and I was like, ah, let's just see what we get. And some of the answers were great because a lot of people took it as, well, let's see, I'm going to play. I'm going to play against Tiger and Phil and, you know, these guys. I was like, ah, you know what? I, I want to enjoy myself. I don't want to.
0: you to get the big bounce.
1: Yeah. I'm going to get beat regardless, but I want to be able to laugh the whole time. But I think Tiger would go out there and just, you know. He could to kill it. He could, he could play bogey golf and beat me. For multiple reasons: one, because I'm not very good; two, because I think I pee my pants every time I'm I'm standing over top of the ball, and I feel like he's watching.
0: Oh, he's watching. <laughs> so he would be watching. I like yeah, that. I, I that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so. Something- to look at, it, though, man. It's, I think it's the the more, I guess you would say, the lower handicap probably golfer would take the more competitive route of tiger yes. and Phil and you know those types and then but you know I play in a group with uh Coach Gum sometimes so you know how much fun that is.
1: Uh yeah. Well just so, you can play you can just go play you and gum and that would be a blast.
0: Oh, no doubt. That was it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I'm I'm to those people like I I like playing with my buddies because I know I'm gonna have fun, we're gonna have good laughs. But every now and again I like to sprinkle somebody who's Far better than me. Well,
0: it'll get you going a little bit. It's that competitive, you want to try to do a little bit better for somebody that's that's better. I mean, that's just yeah. how it is. That's just that competitive thing everybody has in them, you know.
1: Yeah, like, t- like tomorrow I'm going to I'm playing with my buddies, and then I'm bringing along a friend who's much better than me. Uh, and it's, it's not so much uh, like to compete with him, but I just don't want to – it gets that whole – you don't want to embarrass yourself. So you focus more, you play, you just it, everything gets a little better when you bring people around that are that are more skilled than you, which That's the truth. You could probably bring a toddler around and be more skilled than me. So
0: <laughs> they were. They were good. So
1: so kind of switching gears over to basketball, have you seen all this this uh stuff with the G League and the the, they're paying, they're offering, it's not so much they're offering the money, they're just offering the ideal of you can make up the $1,000 for the one. Right. Uh, and I'm, and I've, you know, I've seen Coach Cowell's, um quote about it, and his thing is he's worried that there's going to be, you know, freshmen and sophomores that in high school right now that see that and they think this is the route I want to go
2: right.
1: when they're not the 1% or 2% that is good enough that route so you're going to have a lot of guys that just it's going to turn into what the nba was starting to turn into before they implemented that one and done rule right too many kids come out of high school saying i can go to the nba and then they go and they fizzle out after two years because they weren't they just weren't ready right i I see his standpoint what what's your standpoint on
0: you know i think you know i'm all about the you know if you can get the money and you think you're good enough you know i know a lot of kids don't have a lot of things in life Um, but at the same time, I hate the idea of, you know, I just, you have to be so good, especially at 18 years of age, 19, whatever these kids are, that's coming straight out and going into a league where, I mean, you're talking about playing with, you know, a whole different caliber of athlete, you know, even at 20 and 20. I mean, look at the thing is, look at Anthony Davis, man, when he come out of high high school to college. In two years, he looked – he's a total different yeah, body, a total different – I mean, he's a totally different player. Like, I just if, – if you bypass that route of, I think, college development and then knowing how you compete, especially if you go somewhere like Kentucky, Duke, you know, Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville, places where you're going to play in great conferences with other great players, I think that kind of gives you a little bit of a – you know, a head start going into the NBA. To where the yeah. G thing is, you're not even playing games, right? You're just doing basically one-on-one training, right? For that first initial thing or whatever it is.
1: I think early on it's just training, but then, like, you get to – like, they those three that came out all signed with that team, the new expansion team in L.A. Right. So, then, and that alone, that alone, you're playing against grown men like that's what people don't understand. Like, they think the G leagues like, a minor. Yeah. So, like, like you know, like, baseball is, like, single A, and, and you've got guys who are fresh out of college. Like right. 21-22. That's not always the case.
2: Right. I mean, you're, you're,
1: getting, you're getting 27, 28-year-old men, and then yeah. three 18-year-olds on one team, and you think, okay, we're going to go make all the money. Y'all gonna? I mean, physically, they are not capable to handle no, I agree. I could sound I can sound salty about it um, because I think I'm, – I'm just like you. I want kids – if you have the opportunity to make money because I grew up in Louisville, I coach kids that come from situations where that – I mean, that right there, that situation would change not only their life, but mom, dad, brother, sister, it would change everybody's life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If, that, if it would work out. But you don't want to be the guy who goes it changes your life for two years and then –
0: you don't sustain that. You don't sustain it, though. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the kicker, you know. And if you have at least went to a college and got a scholarship, you can always go back and get your education, which is I think is huge, especially now that you can do a lot of it online. Yeah. You can still have a job if you don't make it. And, of course, then they, then everybody will say, well, you can just go overseas and play. But people got to realize, too, it's good over there, too. Yeah. It's not like you go over there and you're just – you anybody can just go overseas and play basketball. No, you're still playing at a high
1: level. Yeah, there's the one of the earliest examples for me was the um, I can't remember his last name. His first name was Jeremy. Was supposed to go to Louisville about the same time Sebastian Telfair. Somewhere in that somewhere in that like group of you know years between O two to O five, I think. And he didn't want to go to college, but he couldn't like he didn't get drafted or something, so he went overseas. And instead of going to college, and he it – might, it might have been right after they changed the rule. So he goes overseas and couldn't handle it. You know, the team he, – he got – he felt like he was getting bullied. The team was just too mean for him. You know, it's, it's – that's when, like, when people say, oh, there's all these avenues to make money. You – it's – don't get blinded by the dollar versus the situation you're going into. Yes – Trying to earn money in America is completely different because you're accustomed to America. You go overseas thinking, "I am I'm going to be the best player on the team because I'm one of the best players in over in the United States." Um, but you're you're alone unless you unless you take somebody. Yeah. You're alone. Um, if you go on there with that mentality, there's a lot of foreign guys who are going to be rubbed the wrong way, so they're not going to treat you the right way. Right. It's so, just. And that's and that's the thing. Like I, I want kids to make money. I'm all for the the paying the players for their likeness, which the NCAA is is working on yeah. stuff for that. But do it. I only want the right kids to do it. And that sounds bad, but not every kid is ready to to go make money. Right, hardly anyone. Yeah, and it was and that was the thing that's why the NBA changed that rule. I mean. Too many kids who weren't ready were getting drafted because of the potential, and right. it, just didn't, it just didn't develop. So, teams – the NBA was starting to get watered down. You've seen yep. guys that were – you know, by the time they're 23, they've already been on five teams because they're just trade – they're trade packages. That's all yep. they are. So, you know, going to a, a Duke, a Kentucky, a you know, Michigan State, you know, going to one of those big-time colleges, learning from a, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame coach – Yo, that's, I mean, it's going to better you. And, and I agree. Uh, I stick by the, you know, Eric Spolster said it. If you're going to do it, there ain't no better route to do it than go to Kentucky. Right. You know, and I think that's – and the reason why I think that's, um, you know, one of the true statements that any coach has said in relation to Kentucky is because young guys who go into the NBA have to understand there's a pecking order. You know, and, and the example he was using was Bam. You can right. know bro. But, you know, Bam goes down to Miami. He is not the best player on the team. He's kind of in the same situation as at Kentucky, where he was kind of the third. He was right. – you know, because you had Monk and you had um, – uh And you had him. He goes down there. He's got, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler. He's got – I mean, now – well, now he has Jimmy Butler. Last year he didn't. But, you know um, – you know, he had other guys ahead of him that were better than him. And he slowly worked his way into bigger roles. And you see the right. But, like, he has – like, you have to go to schools like that to where you kind of learn – like, you develop that mentality.
2: Um, right.
1: You know, you can't – I mean, there's some guys who go to school X, Y, and Z so they can go score 25 points a game and then go to the NBA – and you're putting a row where we don't need you to score 25, we need you to score 10. And you're only taking six shots. Right. <laughs> so that's why, and that's what I'm saying. You know, G League's great, but is it really going to prepare you for the, the reality of the NBA? I don't know. I think, I mean, it gives you a chance. You prepare yourself for the life of an NBA player, you, you're you making money. But you still got to make it. Yeah, but you got to make it. And, and I, that's, that's my fear that you'll get more guys, kind of like Cal said, you'll get guys who don't belong to do it. Like, they don't belong in that category of they're good enough to go. They'll, they'll say, all right, I'm going. And right. they'll somehow not make it, never even play a game in G League, but somehow screw up uh, eligibility, not be able to go to college.
0: Right. You're just sitting there. Yeah. I don't
1: nothing. Know.
0: I agree. I agree. Sorry. I think it's one of those fine line things of, you know, Here's my thing, and I've always said this, and not just because I'm a biased Kentucky fan, but if you're a big-name recruit, why would you not ever go to a school like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Michigan State, even Louisville? Why would you not go to those type of schools if you're trying to make an NBA?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I understand there's situations where you can't, you know, you don't fit in or something don't happen or it's not, you know, you're on the West Coast, you'll go all the way. To, you know, I get on it. But you get all the exposure. You're going to get better. Cal's going to work on the things that you need to make yourself a better NBA player. He's not going to make you – he knows what you can do. He'll fine-tune those, but he's going to make yes. you better in the weaknesses. that's going to prepare you for the NBA. And that's the thing to me. Like, I just don't understand why – you know, I just don't understand the reason why you would want to skip out on – that development, you know, especially with people probably in the G League that really don't care about you because they're trying to keep their job. Those G League yeah. coaches are trying to move up. So they're just – they're like, oh, I, you know, I got Matthew Turner, the number two overall player out of high school. I'm going to let him go out there and shoot 30 times a game
2: mm-hmm.
0: to, to benefit me. So I guess that's kind of how I look at, it too. Like, I, I just – you know, I hate it for any kid that doesn't make it because, you know, a parent's telling them that, you know, they should go straight to the NBA. Yeah. You know, for example, you know, I think the whole EJ Montgomery situation is there's no way anybody can sit here and tell me that Coach Cal told EJ he's regular the NBA. No.
1: There's,
0: there's no way that even him being a player's first guy, which he is, there's no way he looks to EJ and says, hey, man, you're never going to be a higher draft stock than this. Go." <laughs> That's my – like, there's – that has to be – NBA agents, NBA personnel, in the dad, mom's ear, mm-hmm. and this how much money they're going to make, let him go. I mean, there's yeah. reports in the top 100 players listed for the draft. So there's there's no way there's somebody telling him they're going to take a chance on it. Yeah. I mean, and I hate that because I yeah. think he could have been a great beneficiary to another year of college, just like Nick Richards was. And everybody keeps saying, well, why is Nick going? Why You know, he's only 54th in the draft, board. but here's the problem. He also missed out on the combine, all the yeah. individual workouts, which is like a lot of, a lot of those insiders are saying, he's going to go higher than that. You just don't – that's just where he's projected based on not having all that other stuff going on. Like, he's never going to be higher than what he is now. He needed to go. I mean, he was almost All-American. All he's almost SC Player of the Year. Same way with Quickly. Quickly had to go. He's never going to be any higher than him coming back and playing point guard wouldn't have changed – the idea of what he is no. as a basketball—I
1: mean, as a guard—they the the trend for the for the NBA is take young guys when it comes to guards. Right. So, so being a third-year college student as a guard, I mean, it doesn't benefit you. Bigs, it does a little bit, but I would—I mean, like you said, Nick Richard wasn't going to benefit. He wasn't going to somehow move into the lottery from another year. No. That's not yeah. the way – because as a big, the game isn't played that way. No. Nope. It's not played – He's well. an
0: older big now. People are going to realize he's a junior seven-footer now. I know that don't seem like that old, but you're going to tell me – they're not. They're going to take Isaiah Todd over Nick Richards because Isaiah Todd's 18 and Richards yep. is 21 with the same amount of potential. Yep. That's my – so there's no reason for him to come back to school.
1: I agree. It, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And that, like I said, the EJ Montgomery, you said it perfect. It makes it doesn't make much sense for him to leave, uh, unless he feels like another just going to be the same thing as another year at Kentucky. He's just it's going to be, nothing right. to fit him being there. And I think a lot of that plays into you know his dad came out and said, you know, my son doesn't need another year there to, you know, he's showcased everything he needs to showcase.
2: Yeah.
1: If if you think what he is showcased is NBA worthy, I think you lose him. But right. Hey, best, I mean, like, I don't – there's never been a player to leave Kentucky that I'm like, ah, you know what, good riddance. I mean, I, I hope all of them
0: best – That's alive. what I'm saying, man. i man. I, I hate that more than anything is when I see, like, like the other day I saw Hagen's tweet something out about something Cal said and, you know, he said, my man, or said something to him, you know, and then I look down at the comments and people are going, you should have come back, you suck, or you'll never make it. I'm just like, like – <laughs> What, where, do you, where in your life is it so bad that you've got to tweet a 18, 19, 20-year-old kid and tell them they're not going to make it when you're the one sitting home tweeting these kids? What's, what's going on in your life? Yeah, like, and You're easy not easy. playing in Kentucky. <laughs> you're not having a chance to go play in the NBA. Like, I just understand how people can be so you know, just so hard on kids not coming back to school. Like, yeah. as much as we talk about it, it's still their life.
1: And you're like, I'm 30 or 40-year-olds?
0: Yeah. Like, I'm not going to get mad at E.J. Montgomery. For when, you know, if he goes, he goes. I mean, yeah. like you said, I wish him the best of luck. Do I wish he would have come back? Of course I do. I think he could have been huge for the roster next year. There's no doubt about that. But, I mean, and everybody, you know, blames Cal. And I'm like, that's not Cal doing that. Cal did not tell E.J. to go to the NBA. I'm telling you. I know for – I don't want to say I know for a fact because I haven't talked to Cap, but I'm just saying there's no way he told EJ, hey, man, you're going to be the 175th pick, which is the written one. There's no way he told him that. So, I mean, the the problem is it's people like there's fans that want four-year players and there's fans that want one and done and they want it all gone. So when we get a three- or four-year player, then they're mad because they're not good enough starting off. They don't help us none. And then he recruits in a number one recruiting class and Johnny Juzang transfers. Well, that's yeah. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, you can't, you've got to have it one way or another. You can't want, the fans can't want three and four-year guys and to get mad when it takes three or four years for them to get good. Or they transfer and leave because somebody else better comes in. Exactly. That's the whole point. If I'm a coach, you're a coach, you're going to take the best players you can possibly get. Yeah. You're not going to bypass talent. For anything,
1: I and mean, that's the whole point. That's how you win. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's and it's different. I mean, you know, I don't think Cal's job is at Kentucky is you know in question. But like when you're when you're coaching college, your job is to over recruit the person there. Everybody. Right, and that's. I mean, it sounds it sounds you know kind of harsh, but a coach is for a coach to continue to be a coach. He has to bring in talent because he has to win. I'm not going to – because I like you as a person doesn't mean I'm going to recruit under you and hope that it takes that guy three years to develop. Right. You have your time. Like, I've – and it's it's one of those, you know, uh, what was the statement? Iron sharpens iron. Good yeah. players good players better. But if I bring in, uh, you know, the 100th best player in high school against the number one best player in high school the year before, he's probably not going to make him – too much. Of it. It's just not going to be much of a challenge in right. cases it is. But if you bring number one guard from 2019 and they're like number four or five guard from the 2020 class, and they're playing against each other every day and they're having to guard each other, the, the guy, the one that's about to be a sophomore, is going to get a lot better for multiple reasons. One, he's going to be challenged, right? And, and you had to raise your, you know, your level to, you know, higher. Because you don't want to get surpassed, and that's. Right. As I'm saying, like, I think going to Kentucky versus going to the G League where, you know, I feel like those just pass you out, they don't care. You, know, you can have a job Monday that you don't have on Tuesday. Right. Kentucky, you know, and, and I speak of Kentucky because I do off a lot of other teams. You know, for the simple fact, I don't like a lot of other teams. Right. You don't see it. Like, you you can see it, like, you know, um, you know even when the Harrison twins were there. They were challenged by Tyler Eulis, Devin Booker. And it made and you can see like they took a little bit of a job and you know, Dakari Johnson, he was there for three years, and they kept bringing in bigs, and he has to guard for like Carl Anthony Towns and Willie Collie Stein. Another example. A couple years of constantly got better. I mean, like those are the those are perfect examples of what it's like. And fans hate it because they don't want you know, the old fans who wanted, wanted the Rick Pitino way. They want three to four year guys. But they they don't want to lose. They're the development process. They don't understand, you know, not everybody's ready day one to play college basketball at that level if you're not a one and done caliber player. Right. They here's the thing. If Cal would have won maybe two or three titles in the first five years with the talent he brought in, you would I don't really think you would hear anybody say, Oh, I want a four year kid.
0: Here, here's what people don't realize, though. Here's what the, the average fan don't realize. The reason that, you know, here my whole take on the whole thing is the reason he doesn't win a lot of titles or hasn't is because he started the one and done and everybody followed. Yeah. So it all became an even playing field.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Those guys started going out and getting other recruits like that. Coach K got good recruits, but he never went out and got the Zions. He never got the Kyries. Until John Walls and them started coming around, yeah, he
1: would he would get the occasional one and done,
0: yeah, you know?
1: right. and that was well, like
0: he change his whole philosophy. Yeah,
1: who was who was his first one and done? Like Jason I
0: probably. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying though.
1: I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. He didn't he didn't go and get those guys, and and neither did Izzo. And you know, Izzo was one of those guys he sold everybody on. I take I, every four years, I make it to the final four. Right. give me four years, I'm going to get you to the Final Four. That's right. his selling point. He started getting one and done. I mean, heck, he recruited, I mean, he's recruiting guys who are decommitting to going to, to the G League and, and, and stuff like that. Like He's going after those guys. So, uh, you know, you're just in one of those situations where everybody's finally caught up to what Kentucky was doing, what Cal was doing. Now, you know, are they as bad as Kentucky is? Not a chance. I think Cal cornered that market and he did it so early that he had I mean he's got a eight year jump on most of these guys starting to do it in the last two years. Right. And he's more, in my opinion, he's more of a uh you know, and I'm sure Cal's a jerk, uh, to the kids at times. You know, I'm sure, you know, some so that. the public persona that he's developed, he's probably not who he is. And I get it, that's just how coaches are. But I I think he's he when he says he's there for the players one hundred percent, you know, and he's Trying to do everything to better their lives, I fully believe that. I don't think coach. No, I can agree with that. Coach K is trying to get those wins, just like I mean. I think Cal, is during season, wants he wants to win and he wants a championship. That's his goal for the team, for the fans. But at the end of the day, I think he would take. You know, we struggled twenty two and eight, but he had four guys drafted, that and it's four guys that it changes their lives. I think he's okay. And I'm – you know, as a fan, it sucks because I would love to win a title every year. Um,
0: right. But I'm the same about you all.
1: You know what I'm saying? But I enjoy – one of the most enjoyable teams I've watched uh, was probably that Monk, De'Aaron Fox, and Bam. Like, just some of the games, like some of the nights they had, you know, with Monk just going off. And De'Aaron Fox in the plays he made when he went in uh, Lonzo Ball's back. Yeah. Just, just tore him up, uh, you know. Bam, you know, some of the dunks he had, the the lobs he caught. I mean, those are enjoyable, teams. Did you win it? No, but I, I can tell stories about those guys, yeah. and I get as, as much excitement as I do from talking about the 2012 team that won a title.
0: That's the whole perspective, I think, that Cal's got is, I think if he wins the 15 title, you never hear a word about it. Yeah. I think that was a backbreaker for all the, ca- the so-called Cal haters of fans and outside of the Kentucky, you know, bubble. Mm-hmm. But – people are going to realize, well, they always say, well, we don't get those recruits since 2015 like we used to. We don't, we have only been a two lead eights and blah, blah, blah. But you've been an overtime and a Luke made buzzer beater from being the two final fours. Now, the other thing you say to that is, well, we didn't get there. Well, I get that. But Aaron Harrison also made four straight buzzer beaters for us to get the national championship in that one year. So the, my point is, you can be as good as you want to be. Mm-hmm. or as average of a team as you want to be, but you got to have things go your way in the tournament. Just like Virginia last year. They should have lost three games in that tournament last year. Mm-hmm. Like, we're beat. Completely beat. And somehow found a way in miracles to, to win in overtime or at the buzzer. Yeah. I mean, there's, gotta be, there's so many things got to go your way, man, to win a title. It's not just, you know, all these talk about, you know, the the players and the one and dones. I mean, you got to have – there's so much luck involved and – you know, injuries, you know, stuff like that. So
1: I mean perfect example were the the two UConn teams from early in the two like mid two thousand ten, whatever it was. You know, yep. the team with Kimba, who went on that crazy run in the Big East tournament. Yep. You know, on to the tournament and then uh, the year was it Kevin Ollie's first year it was the year it was like two thousand
0: fourteen, wasn't it? It's bad Napier.
1: Yeah, it was the year that you know that they played us and beat us in the yep. you know those, those are two teams right there that it, it's – your statement speaks true to. Good things have to happen to you in order to make those runs. You know and there's no way you would have told just at the end of the regular season going into, you know, tournament, their, their conference tournament, that those teams would have even made it out of a day or two of conference. Right. You know, and, and you see the runs they made. That's, and, and, you know, and a lot of that comes from experience kids who have played three years. And right. things. and the, the good thing for Kentucky is it's been, we've, we still have enough talent. Talent kind of overshadows the experience. And you know, and the thing that we've been lucky with the last few years is, you know, we had uh, Travis and we had, um, you know, Nick, uh, as graduates, who kind of provided that, that experience in some form of leadership. You know, I don't right. think, Travis wasn't very vocal. Um, he kind of, like, just wanted to fit in. Right. Yeah, and Nick was very vocal. You know, you've seen him during games, um, after games, very vocal, tried to lead the best he could, tried to be, a, tried to be that kind of – just tried to be a voice for everybody.
0: Rick was that bullet. He was in that game that made you – you fed off him in the way he played. Yeah. That's where I think his leadership was the best. He would go in there and get that big board or, you know, get that mm-hmm. big put back or, you know, make that big-time hustle play. Yeah, you know, I think that was that's where he showed his leadership, you know, so much that year for us, you know, and like I said, man, this year was one of those things where I was so looking forward to the tournament because I think, you know, I think we had the three best guards. I, mean, I don't think it was even a question yeah. that you know we were as good as anybody.
2: Yeah, that, that three
1: guard lineup was is it's tough to guard.
0: You know, and and it sucks. You know, you hate it for the kids, but you know I know what he's gonna talk about. But you know, and I and I told a lot of people this, you know, a year and a half ago, I said. I said, this year coming up, the new year, 2021, mm-hmm. 2021, whatever it is, I said, this would be the best two years that I thought Kentucky basketball and Kentucky football would ever have.
2: Because
0: mm-hmm. I knew the class Cal was going to have coming in. You know, just how it was, you know, kind of off. You know, and I, and I thought, you know, I thought for sure quickly would come back. You know, I, you, know you never expected him to have the year he had. And, you know, you kind of felt like EJ was going to come back. Yeah. You know, so I thought there was gonna be because this is the best class cows had for since fifteen. Mm-hmm. I mean he's got two studs, man. Yeah. He's got two stud guards coming in that are you know phenomenal that are, you know they would you know Terrence Clark was gonna get paid four hundred thousand dollars, you know, estimated to go play in the G League. Yeah, so you gotta you know, they they feel like he's an elite talent. So this whole thing about like I mean, I saw the other day where one fan said that we're nit bound next year because we don't have a seven foot big and i'm sitting here thinking like i mean like that's to me i'm just so like how does people even like like why are they even fans like what game are you watching like when you watch bj boston play in a high school game you know that kid is a stud mm-hmm he's going to get buckets, he's going to score in a, in a college basketball game. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, they're comparing to, like, the Nerland's team. And I'm like, Nerland's team wasn't an NIT team until he tore his ACL. Yeah. He only lost four or five games. And I'm just like, And then, and then we got forced. Went to. Yeah,
1: and you got forced to play Willie Colley-Stein, who wasn't ready. No. Those minutes and be, and be asked to do the same stuff you wanted Nerland's to do.
0: I'm just like, it just blows my mind to see people say stuff like that. And they're like, well, if we don't get a seven-foot or a rim protector, we can't win no games. And I'm like, how many teams have a seven-foot rim protector in college basketball anymore?
1: How many How many teams in the last decade have have won a national championship with a rim protector? Like, a, like that was a vocal point of their team.
0: I'll give you one.
1: Anthony Davis. Okay. There, there it is. I don't know any other. i feel not another one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So – this is where I would say to fans. Okay, that's fine. You have to either get rid of Terrence Clark or BJ Boston, and we get a seven-footer. There's no yeah. way you would agree to do that. Yeah. It's a, like the, the game of basketball has changed from the 80s, and I think a lot of fans don't want to accept that. It's yeah. not a big game. It hasn't been a big game for years. Yeah, First game. If a big gets the ball, who's he get it from? A guard. Bigs don't dribble the ball to court. I've never seen a seven-footer outside of. Kevin Durant successfully, repeatedly dribble the ball off the court throughout a game. You're right. I'm i to having seen. And if I if, if I'm missing something, I would love for somebody to let me know. But if if Nick Richards would have dribbled the ball off the court at six ten last year at any point versus a smidge of pressure, I would have lost my mind. Yep. Like we lost games last year and he was he was our rim protector. So what's I mean what I said? We had one of the better rim protectors in college last year. Purdue had uh, the harms kid who's I mean coded by everybody, everybody wants him. He's a rim protector. what did they do last year?
0: Yeah, you know, that's my point. Like, you know, you can always have these guys that people think fit your system, but just because you have a set and that's what I'm saying, man. You've got Isaiah Jackson who I think first of all, I think everybody's sleeping on. I think he's a stud, too. He's a freak athlete, man. If you watch yeah, any did. of this tape, that's what he does. He's all hustle. He's all rim protection. He's all rebound. Yeah. And, and putbacks. Like, he's the perfect fit. Yeah, well, he's only 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, but so what? Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're not going to go up against seven-footers. You're not going to go against Taco Fall. Yeah. Every, cause that's not what happens in college no. basketball. You don't play those type guys. You play six seven, six eight guys that go below the rim, that can take you off the dribble from the elbow. They don't post you up to her and put a hook shot on you.
1: I don't, don't I don't do that. I don't know too many teams that run post-up actions. We I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky does a little bit because Nick Richards need to get the ball. Yeah. How many teams actually run a post-up style offense where it's important out of one one every four plays, you have to get it into the post? Not me.
0: All I know is every team we play shoots thirty forty threes a game against us. And they hit every bit of fifty percent. That's that's what I'm saying though, like that's the formula to beat any team. And, that's what it's went to.
1: Yeah, and it's and a lot of it changed uh because of the Warriors the way they played. It changed the game. I think yeah. I think the game changed a lot when um, uh, Villanova well, yeah, it was it was mid-2000s when they came out there and played four guards. And they were the true definition of a small lineup. I think, like, was uh, Randy Foy there or something?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it was – and they went four – like, it was legit four guards. I mean, I don't think you had a guy over six three at a guard position. And they had one big. That's the way – and that was kind of shuttered by, you're faster. You get four shots when you put more shooters out there. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is – at the end of the day, let's say most teams make 40% of their shot. Not and a lot of kids these days are lazy. They're not going to rebound. Right. And they don't spring back on defense. So, if you put faster players out there that are more athletic, you're going to get – you're, you're going to probably limit to maybe eight offensive rebounds. But you're going to get more position opportunities, and you're going to get more threes. Yep. That's just the way the game is played. There's no such thing as mid-range jump shot anymore that do it, and and, it's a, and they're a dying breed, but it's either it's either dunk layup or three, one of the yep. three. So, and, and that's how the games change. So, like, I mean, like you said, there's fans are delusional, it's talking about we're IT because we don't have we don't have a seven foot rim protector, but I will take you can have your seven foot rim protector. I will take two or three six nine sixteen guys who are just. Animals go after every rebound. I mean, you have guards who play play it hard enough defensively. You eliminate a lot of stuff at the rim, right? So, I mean, me think about Hagen, I mean, often did he? I mean, he changed the game on the perimeter as a guard because you couldn't get around him. You right. And, and, you know, it'll, it it kind of helps. It helps your bigs because they don't have to. They don't have to play as hard. Hmm. And the paint, because there's not much getting there if you have guards who will sit down the guard like he did. That's a great point. I just, I don't, I don't understand the whole you. You need a big, uh, like a rim big, big to be successful. That there's words I can say, but I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> we
2: gotta
1: keep, it, we gotta keep it PG on this podcast. Yeah, PG, we're we're very, very you know kid friendly here, so. <laughs> but, like, you know, it was kind of like you said with the, the way the team is or, like, put together this year coming up. Yeah, you know, compared to Cal's, like, early teams, 2010, where you have what, – what do we have? He was four, five, six, six guys drafted. He brought in four one of dones something like that. Three-
0: all I know is – here's all I know, and this is the, what I always say. All I know is Josh Harrelson played in the Final Four. good, too. Like, the people that tell me that Cal can't coach and Cal can't develop players, and you're telling me that Josh Harrelson – does everybody remember Josh Harrison before that year?
1: I mean, I do just because he kind of developed that name with Jorts. But
0: – I mean, he legit took over the game against Louisville that year. I mean, I remember him against uh, Ohio State. Dominated. Yeah. Against – who everybody said was the player of the year, Jared Songer. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just – it blows my – it does, man. I just – listen, I'm just – here's the the basis of everything is I love, I'm a big Cal fan. I like Cal. I think he's – you know, do I think he's the greatest coach of all time? No, I don't think that. But for somebody to sit there and tell me that this guy can't coach X's and O's and all that bull crap, it's, it's crap, man. He can coach. Mm-hmm. Yes. Has he had elite talent? Yes, he has. Has he probably should have won another title? Yes, he probably should have. But Coach K's been to 12 Final Fours and won five titles. So somebody's out there and tell me, why didn't he win five more? Like, that's my point. Like, don't tell me he can't coach. Yeah. And I- but there's a difference, and I always tell people this, there's a difference. There's generational one and dones like John Wall and Anthony Davis and Towns, you know, that group of players that are just really, really good. Yeah. But you can't – a lot of times your number one high school player comes in to college and the first day they play a game isn't as good as the best senior college player in college. Like, it takes time. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe talent-wise and potential-wise, yes, that freshman's better. But it still takes time for them to get in the groove of the college game. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to take that freshman over that senior guard, or oh, that freshman guard is number one in high school by the end of the year with in March with Cal. I'm yeah. telling you that player is going to be better than him. Weekly yeah. was better than that Dotton guy from Kansas. I'm t- I guarantee he is or no. that's good. He's a sophomore. He's a senior. That's my point. Like I'm taking Cal's talent over that experienced four-year guard in the end of the year March. Mhm. I just, I will, I'm taking the town. I want have. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm that kind of, I'm that person. I want to have the best players. Yeah. I'm going to live and die by the best players. And if yeah. it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. See, and I think,
1: you know, just looking at the direction he's kind of went with the the guys he's brought in the last couple of years, I personally, I think he's trying to give everybody a little bit of what they want. Like he's still going to get the couple of the one and done, you know, with the two guards this year. Um, You know, BJ Boston and um, Terrence Clark. He's giving guys those. Everybody wants those. You know, guys who are sticking around for three years. He's going to get them. He's bringing in the experience guys. The things you know, other things people complain about. We don't have any experience, so he's bringing in fifth year guys. I think he's trying to prove that. Okay, these are the ones you want. I can still win with them. Yep. And that's. I think that's kind of what he's doing. He's like, he knows he's got to have. He's got to have really good players. So he's going to get the one and done but he's also bringing in guys that are going to develop. Now, here's the problem. It's the delusional guys, like Johnny Juzang. And I like him, but I think he's delusional. I think he thought because he was getting recruited by Kentucky, he got the offer. He's in that one-and-done category, and he's not.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think there was other people like that, too. You know, uh, Quade Green. Um, I just felt like if you're getting recruited by Kentucky, they're saying that you are 100% pro-prospect in one to two years. And they got. Yeah. Um, so you get the delusional players who have to leave, and, and fans are like, "Oh, see, when he re- thats why you know he recruits this kid and this kid, and he should have gave him more of a chance, and now we lose him. He could have been here for three years." Like Johnny and people are so upset about Johnny Jose, and, I, and I've, I've talked to tons of people about it. He should have gave him more of a chance, and he's he's got a tighter leash on on shooters versus other guys. You know, my my thing is. If, if all you can really offer is your ability to shoot, and you're kind of a defensive player, you have certain things that you're allowed to do and you're not allowed to do. And when you do the things you're not allowed to do, you get.
0: If, Here's if, the point. If Johnny Giuseppe is not making a shot for you, he's do? just
1: hardware you. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't give you anything.
0: It was just like Wiltshire, dude. Yeah. Wiltshire was the same way. If he's making shots all day long, yeah, you, you got if he's not making shots, he's not helping you. That's the whole yep. point. And that's, and that's why
1: it was good for him to go to Gonzaga because he's, he's the best player there at the time. You know, maybe there was guards that better, but there's nobody at his position that you can say his replacement's better. Right. At Kentucky, if you don't play defense, uh, there's a replacement for you that's better. It's like Alabama football. Hey, this five-star ain't working for me. Get him off bring this other five-star in. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? That's just how it is. And, and people – it just, I don't know, I, it drives me insane with how delusional fans are. Like I said, you, you're you one of the few level-headed Kentucky fans that, that I talk to that comprehend the reality of everything that goes on with the game of basketball in Kentucky, where we lose a game, it's not the end of the world. I, okay, I overreacted when we lost Evansville, um, lost my mind this year. But after sitting back, I was like – we're young, don't know how to guard. They spread the court out. We didn't really make too many changes. This was what it was. Bad loss early season. But there's people who like, you know, and I and I reacted that way initially. But you know, this is the worst loss of Cal's career and at Kentucky, and he's you know he's he's losing it. He's he's not and all that. They just those are unrealistic people, and I, I kind of fell into that kind of little area for about I don't know. Ten hours because I'm so frustrated. But at the end of the day, there's there's a, a reason behind why Cal plays those mid majors. He always plays teams that can shoot ball.
0: That's the point. He every he'll even say it. every game he puts on the schedule prepares his kids for the tournament because you're gonna face a team in the first or second round usually that's gonna play like Evansville or it's gonna play like who it like for instance just like the one year we played Buffalo shot 53 of the game, they run and gun. That's like, that's what he gets them ready for. You're gonna yeah. see those type teams in the tournament because they're gonna win their conference or they're gonna be right there with a chance and you're gonna play a team very similar first, second round of the tournament. Yep. And then before you start playing your big dogs. But, you know, it was, you know, the have loss lost hurt me, don't get me wrong. I was very upset. Me and Scott Franklin go about this all the time on Twitter. We joke about it. And, you know, I just remember, like, KSR was like, you know, this is the end of Cal, this is the end of Kentucky. Like, they'll never – and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, let me tell you something. If you coach long enough in your life, you're going to lose a game like that. It's going to happen. Happens. Yeah, it I mean, It's going to happen. It's going to happen.
1: You've got, you've got 18-year-old kids that you're trying to get excited about playing Evansville. Exactly. If you, you were playing –
0: yeah, and you I play, mean, and you're about fifty six, like it happens. But yeah. then what happened at the end of the year? What were we? And, one of those teams, one of those seven to ten teams that guess what could cut the nets down come April. Like that's the like I don't understand what people want more It's because every year other than Nerland's year, and maybe I mean I wouldn't discredit Jamal's year because I know we got beat by Indiana, but. If he got hot enough, you could have made a run to the Final Four. I mean, mm-hmm. but there's there's been maybe what two or three years that you can legit say, well, maybe we didn't have a chance to.
1: And I, I win it. the only the only year I say that was Nerlinger. I mean, yeah, but I, mean, I I don't disagree just, with that. if he doesn't get hurt, I wouldn't say
0: that. Like here's the thing, if PJ and and I love PJ, and I know what happens. If he don't miss 21 free throws, we're in the Elite Eight and beat Kansas State probably by 20 points. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. People say, well, Cal okay, don't work on free-throw shooting. Cal don't do – let me tell you something. You can work on free-throw shooting all you want, but that doesn't mean you're going to make them. That doesn't mean that you can't make turn if he's a bad free-throw shooter or a great free – well, Shaq, Shaq probably shot how many free-throws in practice in his lifetime, probably 1,000 a day, and he still shot 40% for his career, whatever mm-hmm. it was. like you, sometimes people just can't do that, man. Like it's yeah. just – that's sports. Like, I don't know. It just blow, it blows my mind, man, all the time. When I see that crap on social media, I'm just like. It's, and the thing is, it's always, it's always the
1: guys who have always sat in the stands that have either never, never played the sport or, right. or coached shit. I mean, like, even, you know, and, and I kind of leave it with this. You know, this year we lose to um, E-Town in the regional championship because we missed layups and we missed free throws. There wasn't a single practice where kids weren't required to, to hit 20, 25 before you walked out of the gym. Like, you know, this is over, all right, make 20. Or we didn't do some kind of free throw thing at the end. Or we didn't – you know, during practice we've had drills where there's a focus on layups, layups of contact. You know, you practice those things. So all the time. For people to say, oh, he doesn't work on those. That's a lot. Every coach does. No coach I've, – I've, I've never – and you can probably say the same thing. Every coach it's like, You know what? I'm not going to worry about practicing the things that'll either win me or lose me games. Even last year, you know, we didn't have the, you know, your stereotypical two-hour practices. You know, we didn't have those. But when we were leaving, all right, guys need to, need to make 10, 20 free throws before you leave. There was emphasis on things that we needed to work on. You know, we do shooting drills every day because that's what we were. We were a, Kind of a running gun shooting team last year. Know that. So you know you work on the things that are going to benefit you. So for people and fans to say, you know, Cal doesn't work on free throws. He doesn't put a, an emphasis on it. You're an idiot. I just, I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's an yes. the most idiotic statement that's ever made about Cal. It's just harder when you have 17, 18 year old kids in that spotlight of if I, if, if like we're in the 90, we're on our like final four, whatever it is, and you miss your, first time, you're starting to feel pressure. It's completely different when you've got a 28-year-old a shooting a free throw or whatever it is. You get a senior, you know, a 22-year-old who's been here for four years who's kind of adapted, you know, ways to, to handle that kind of pressure. And they're just – it's just different. And usually the guys that, you know, people complain about, oh, we're not – you know, we don't practice free throws. Who are they? It's young freshmen. And that's all the time we have for you today. We want to thank everybody for joining us for our first episode of the – sideline junkies podcast me and todd greatly appreciate you giving us a listen and we look forward to recording in the near future so thank you and have a good day